So we are in an interesting season. Um, I think we're starting to settle into some of the new realities. We know if you're in California, we've got about a month ahead of us of settling into a new normal. And for some of us, this new normal looks pretty rough. It's been very disruptive. There's a lot of distress around it. And so we've got people on that end of the spectrum. And for others, it just looks a little bit more like maybe the most boring time of our whole life. And so we're sitting around watching far too much TV, eating a lot, a lot of carbs and trying to sort out how do we navigate this really well. And one of the things that this particular campus has been in a series on is this idea of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we want to continue that series and talk today a bit about what it looks like to be realistic and sober about what it, what it looks like when Satan wants to come at us in a moment like this. And so I want to turn to a passage. It's in John chapter 10. It starts in verse 9. And we're going to talk about Jesus as the good shepherd and what it looks like to follow him in the midst of temptation and in the midst of some of the challenges that we're facing So here's the verse that we're looking at. The book of John, chapter 10, verses 9 through 21. Verse 9. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. When he had said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So what we see in this passage is this contrast between the good shepherd and what we hear in this passage, and if you're familiar with some of the other versions of this passage, is this is a a shepherd who wants to bring us a good, rich, abundant life, something that's really full, it's all that it was meant to be, and it's in God's kingdom the way God would want it to be lived out. On the other hand, we have someone else who's tempting us to follow him, and in that is this thief he's going to rob and kill and destroy and every good thing that God would want for us is going to be something he's going to attempt to corrupt and degrade and remove from us. So I want to spend some time talking about the contrast of these two shepherds and what they're going to offer to us and maybe even consider it in light of our current circumstances. How are we living right now? So if we go over to this idea of this good shepherd and we go over to Jesus, I want to pan out a bit and talk about what happened before he 
presented this message to the, his disciples and to his followers. And what we know is prior to all of this, Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came on him. And God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And from that place, Jesus went out into the wilderness right away. And it was a place where everything was stripped away from him. And I think there's such a parallel between that and what we're experiencing right now. I've usually thought of the wilderness as a place where he didn't eat for 40 days. But it's occurred to me more recently, it's a place where he didn't go to work. He wasn't showing up to his carpentry business at this particular point. He wasn't around friends and family. All of his normal routines were stripped away. And all of a sudden, everything that sort of held his life together, he wasn't even going to the temple, was gone. And it's interesting that that's when Satan came to offer offer the temptation. It wasn't just that Jesus was hungry. It's that everything else about his life was disrupted. And the way that Satan tempted him wasn't this really obvious thing. He didn't show up with a pitchfork and a red tail, you know, looking really menacing and looking really evil. It was things like, hey, you know what? You've got the power. Just turn those stones into bread and feed yourself. Take care of yourself. Or things like everything is yours. This is an opportunity. Go seize it. Go get whatever kingdom that I have to offer to you. Or do something reckless. Jump off this building. Trust me, I'm going to get you. I've got you taken care of. And so it wasn't this really horrendous stuff. It was very subtle stuff that said, are you sure God is good? Are you sure he said what he said? Are you sure the path that you've been called to is a path you need to stick to? I don't think you do. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking around life as everything's been stripped away. And I'm like a little disoriented. And and it's a little bit jarring to try to figure out how to navigate this. And I've been thinking about it. I'm like, I think this is, you want the obvious stuff to show up when you think Satan's after you. But I think sometimes it's just so much more subtle. And what he offered was doubt. Doubt in God's goodness, doubt in God's character. And then he also offers, in other cases, in this passage where we read about the Good Shepherd, he offers division. Division through accusation. He accuses us. So as we're sitting in this quiet place, all of a sudden, if you've been sort of living in a place of shame and now you're in quiet, that might be coming up. And that accusation might be pulling you away from feeling like God loves you and cares about you. That's an accusation that can also get under our skin and we have it for other people. We've got all sorts of judgment against the people we're living with, against how people are handling this, and we become more and more divided. And there's just this way that Satan can get under our skin in the most deceptive, sneaky, quiet way. And if we let that go on for any length of time, it can become really corrupt Uh, corrupting and corrosive and really, really divisive. And we know he is a lion that prowls around and he's looking for someone to devour. And so what we really want to do is make sure that we re-engage and re-anchor ourselves in who Christ is. Re-anchor ourselves in who the good shepherd is. And the good shepherd is not sneaky and he's not deceptive. And as we look at this passage where Jesus goes from this baptism into this wilderness, he then begins to engage in the world in a very specific way. And this is what he's saying, I'm this shepherd, follow me. And that way of engagement was a way that involved love. He was absolutely filled with love for the people around him. He cared about what they were going through. He was engaged and he was invested. As we read in this passage, not only did he make the big sacrifice on the cross, which we're gonna talk about at Easter and on Good Friday, but he made all sorts of other small sacrifices. 
He was the God of the universe. Who knows what opportunities he could have seized while he was here to be a king and to be powerful and to be all the kinds of things that would make someone interesting. And instead, all of the ways that made him interesting were things that we wouldn't necessarily initially value in our culture. He just paid attention to people. He saw when people were hurting and he invested in them. He brought the supernatural power of God into this world. And sometimes as believers, I can disconnect from that and think my job is just to be practical. But the reality is through the Holy Spirit, he brought in some things that were just beyond human ability. And he was very connected to God in those things. And so this is a shepherd who works completely differently from what the temptations and some of the corrosive and corruptive things are in this world. And so he's calling us, follow me, listen to me, and pay attention to the things that I do. And so in this season, one of the things that can be so helpful for us is to really slow down as we're settling into these new norms. We're settling into our highly sanitized world. I know this is the cleanest podium I have ever worked with, ever. it's maybe time to really shift our focus on who God is. There's a quote that I love. It's from a a guy named Sam Storms. Highly recommend if you've got nothing you're reading right now, get on Amazon and, and look up some of his books and pick up some of his books. I love them. But he wrote a great quote. He says, we become like that which we behold. We will never be transformed into the likeness of God or be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus until we learn how to behold his beauty To see him is to be like him. As David beheld the beauty of the Lord, as he meditated on the glorious perfections and passions of God's character, he became more like God. More than that, he fell ever more in love with God. I'm gonna read that one more time. We become like that which we behold. We will never be transformed into the likeness of God or be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus until we learn how to behold his beauty. To see him is to be like him. As David beheld the beauty of the Lord, as he meditated on the glorious perfections and passions of God's character, he became more like him. More than that, he fell ever more in love with God. And so as we're in this season of sort of being holed up in our houses, removed from each other, having our own wilderness experience. Our norms have been completely disrupted. There appears to be this opportunity for Satan to come in and, um, and pull us away from God. What's gonna be so important right now is we develop some intentional rhythms and some intentional habits to keep our eyes focused on who the Lord is, to get to a place where we're inviting his presence into our life, where we're reminding ourselves of who he is, while we're actively engaging in his word and prayer and interactions where we're trying to say, you know what? God is still present in the midst of this. Whether it looks incredibly boring or it looks incredibly heartbreaking, he is still here and we want to invite his presence to be active, to be empowered in what we're about and in what we're doing. It's so interesting. When you think about some of the most important things that happen in scripture, um, one of them were Paul's letters and so many of those letters were written while he was sitting in prison couldn't have been more disruptive, more disconnected from anybody else, more troublesome, and there was some of the most incredible work happening in that time. So what I'm wondering might be helpful is in this next week, in this lead up to to Easter, if we spend some time really trying to engage in sitting in God's presence, 
sitting in a place where we ask him who he is. Open our eyes and ears again to who you are. You are the creator of the universe. Everything out here has been made by you and it says something about your goodness. It says everything about your intelligence. It says everything about your power and you are the God that I serve and worship. Show me how to listen to you. Open my eyes and ears again to who you are. Help me to invite you into this season of my life. I'm gonna relax, uh, life is just gonna look different, but at the same time, I don't want it totally consumed with Netflix. I don't want it totally consumed with boredom. I want it consumed with something that could bring a whole lot of life. Because what the Good Shepherd says is, I've come to give you the abundant life. I've the, the thief wants to steal everything away from us. The Lord wants to give everything to us. And so one of the things that we can do is we can really lean into unpacking the Lord's Prayer. If we want one discipline to help get us focused back on who the Lord is, it's gonna be really helpful. I, I find this for myself, to find something to bring some structure to this, to find something that helps me kind of get my eyes set back on who the Lord is. So I wanna look at the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to remember what it looks like to sit in his presence and what it looks like to trust in him. So if we read Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, this is how Jesus instructed the disciples. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I wanna read that one more time. This then is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As we enter into this time where we're more isolated, we might need a little bit of structure. This is what we want to lean into. We want to remember from the beginning of this prayer who God is. He's, his name is holy. He's different from us. We want to give ourselves some time and some space to reflect on that reality. We want to remember that we have to ask his kingdom to come. That's part of this prayer is saying, Lord, I can just sit around and be in neutral, but I'm actually asking your kingdom to come. Show me who you are. Show me what you're about right now. Help me, Lord, to uh, just trust you and rely on you right now for my needs and for the things that I, I'm going to desire, the things that I'm going to um, require to stay healthy and to stay alive right now. And help me to be forgiving, Lord. We are maybe distant from people we'd like to be close to. We are crammed in houses together in some cases where tensions can rise. Help me not only to receive your forgiveness for myself, but to offer it to others. And Lord, help me with the temptation. And temptation doesn't always look obvious. Temptation doesn't always look like the scary thing we expect. It can be the very subtle. So Lord, give me a sober view of that. Open my eyes and ears so that I'm highly connected to you. That these moments either pull me closer to you and I just sit in your presence or they activate me to do your work in this world. But I don't want to lose this opportunity. So as we spend this time worshiping from all our different corners of the world right now, we wanna ask the Holy Spirit, do things in us, unite us, 
Let us continue to be a body and do something in us that we can't do on our own. Show up in your supernatural power. Show us who you are. Help us love you more and help us to love each other better. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.